Welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, I'm going to have a very interesting conversation talking about IT. It's going to be fun. <laughs> my uh, guest is, oh, I'm going to first introduce my guest and I'm going to give a little bit of a background as well, is Volker Schulmeyer. I hope I pronounced your uh, name. Thank you. <laughs> It's a good morning. It's above average. Yeah, it so okay, so it's good. So for a for a Monday, it's not that bad. Let's put it this way. For me, it's like yes. <laughs> so you are a CIO's IT strategy advisor, IT service and solution design, organ organizational design and development, enterprise architecture, business architecture, data and information architecture. Oh my goodness. So a little bit of the background, I'm going to give it to you guys this morning, is um, you were a vice president of enterprise solution for PepsiCo. You then move on to a director of IT strategy and enterprise architecture, chief architect, oh my God, at Caterpillar. Then you moved as a CEO on independent consultant, EA advi uh, e advisory. And after that, you became an advisory board member for Auto Maximizer and a member board of director of Will Inspired Movement. So that's a lot of, uh, of I was going to say movement you did, a lot of move you did through the years. So how did you get, first of all, I ask, I always ask this, this is the first question I ask is, how did you get started? Um, to become the vice president of enterprise solution. We're going to start here. I'm curious. Oh, to know. Yeah, that was um, about halfway through my career. So I got to now rewind history here. I'm, uh, I'm older than I look. No, no. <laughs> you look 25. So we're no, yeah, see, I, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. No, um, I, I actually, uh, uh, I started really in the consulting world. So um, uh Moved a lot as a kid. I was born in Germany and moved back and forth between the U.S. and Europe, I'd say. I worked in Italy for a while, but uh, um, I really started in consulting to kind of figure out, um, you know, what I like doing and uh, started, I, I went to business school at the MIT Sloan School and um, like everybody there, back then one third went to uh, management consulting, one third went to investment banking and one third went into industry. A lot of kind of back then the internet was new. So mm -hmm. a good amount of people went there, but um, I did the management consulting track, um, did that in Germany for a little while and then um, stumbled into a company called SAP, which is a German uh, software. Oh, yeah, SAP, worldwide, yeah. very well known. Yes, actually. Yeah. The, most in, the most interesting part is, I think, at the beginning, I don't know if they switch it to English, but the coding is in German, if I'm correct, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a German. It's probably one of the most um, successful German success stories. So yes. they're, the founders actually were at IBM, and they said they wanted to create the software, and IBM said, ah, that doesn't, no, let's not do that. So they're like, okay, they'll do it on their own, which yeah. is... It's one of IBM's mistakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, later, too, actually, uh, uh, Siemens Nixdorf, which is uh, 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 Nixdorf is a computer company in Germany. They had actually rights, 
also to their software because I think they invested a lot in them and they eventually gave that up, which again was probably a big mistake. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I then came back to the States actually to work for SAP and then, um, I, you know, what, what's nice about those um, um, software packages is you, the, the ERPs and you get exposure to every part of the business. So, um, you know, because they are the backbone of the companies where you put them in, you, yep. you know, they've got functionality in manufacturing, finance, HR, mm-hmm. purchasing. So you kind of see the whole world. And that actually helped a lot um, because I got exposed to every function. And then you work in different customers. So you get exposure to different industry, right? Which is the whole idea of consulting and so on. So I work for their consulting arm, not uh, their software arm. And then uh, I did realize they were more of a, they gave all their consulting work to um, the big five um, consulting firms. So the, mm-hmm. the KPMGs, Deloitte's, E&Y, mm-hmm. back the, uh, Accenture. Um, so I, uh, I did a project with, once I moved up the management track at SAP, it got kind of like, I was just, I placed a couple of SAP consultants there, but the big work was really done by the partners. So yeah, uh, I did a big project with, um, with Deloitte where I was lead from the SAP side. And then I was promoted from SAP into this kind of, I call it the handshaking job, not really consulting anymore, (laughs) Uh, chasing bills and placing a couple of consultants, but that was really it. Um, So I contacted Deloitte and um, because they worked with me, that was a pretty quick move to get hired from Deloitte. And then uh, Pepsi happened um, actually, it was more or less, uh, I was, that was around the year 2000 and uh, there were things were going down for these IT consulting companies. So there were a lot of yep. uh, stagnation at Deloitte. So mm-hmm. uh, I remember being at this senior manager partner meeting and they said how many, I can't remember what the number was, but it was some small amount of people that made partner on out of those, I think two thirds were hired from the outside. I'm kind of like, I'll never make partner here. <laughs> so, okay. um, so I happened to stumble on Pepsi through my brother. He actually, he worked at Pepsi and said, they're doing this SAP thing, I think. <laughs> and he's like, don't you, don't you do that? And I'm like, yeah, I do that. And uh, he forwarded my resume on and one thing led to another. And I, that's how I got into Pepsi. Um, so that was a long story of how I got there. And it was really, um, it's interesting because um, until Caterpillar, uh, the only time I really interviewed, I'd say intensively, was after business school. Um, the rest kind of fell in place, right? Because from SAP to Deloitte, I already knew it, it was like, yeah, you got to go do this, but <laughs> we're going to hire you. And then um, uh, I guess the, the Deloitte to Pepsi was a little bit of interviewing, but um, Again, a lot of it is timing, luck, to be quite honest, right? They, Perfect synchronicity. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, because by then, by the time I interviewed with Pepsi, most consumer packaged goods companies in the U.S. had already moved to SAP. They're yeah. In the consumer packaged goods industry, SAP is extremely prevalent. So, oh, yes. Um, yes. They were one of the ones that were just starting, and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is amazing that, you know, 
this doesn't happen so much in that industry. So no, um, because and, Johnny, uh, you you go back, you come afterwards and you have to figure it out where you are, which version it is, what yeah, you want, yeah, what clean stuff up, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is more fixing than building out. Which is what more that's what led me to Caterpillar actually, the yeah. fixing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That saved you time for fixing everything and just like, hey, this stuff precious. You know how to do I know how to do it. So make yes. it happen. Yeah. Which was, I mean, it was a huge program. So they ended up um, mm -hmm. rolling it out across the world. So um, I, that was, uh, you know, these things take a while. I was literally there for almost 11 years. And that was how long it took to do that program. Oh, yeah. And with so many versions of it, too, because when you start with one version, by the time you start to implement that yes. version to where you are, you're already two versions down the, the stream. So it's like playing catch up with everything else. So it's very interesting. So, well, this is awesome so far. So what made you move from Pepsi to Caterpillar? Because at that point, after 11 years, you would have said, well, I'm going to stay there. I'm enjoying life. But you oh, there was... Uh, that was more, uh, that was one of those job elimination things. So what happened was um, I, I had several roles at, um, at Pepsi, all related to the SAP transformation. But at the beginning, it was part of, I led the, the tech team. Um, then I, I, I quickly, they, what they realized is uh, they have trouble with very tightly integrated processes and making those work. Um, I had kind of the most SAP experience from the leadership team at mm -hmm. that time. So they, um, they moved me more and, and started giving me architects. That's how I got introduced to the architect program. So for, for a little while, I did nothing but help them out of really complex problems um, because they had issues around very integrated processes that were like, this is a high issue and it's 200 days overdue. I'm like, how can, how can it be high? In 200? That's like almost a year. How does that happen? So um, I did that for a while. And then um, I took over the, we had then gone live at uh, Quaker Tropicana, Tropicana Gatorade and uh, took over the uh, continuous improvement organization because uh, we were already implementing a Pepsi-Cola and Quaker Truck Gatorade didn't want to stand still. They wanted new stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So we were transforming part of the company and then adding and supporting other parts of the company. So I, I set that organization up, but then we eventually merged with the support organization. I had half the support organization, and, yeah. but I always had the architects. That's what got me into architecture. And at the end, what happened about three years before they gave me the boot, um, well, they didn't give me really the boot. I, I can explain that a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you can feel it's time for you to go, to be honest yeah, with yeah. you. So, and so, uh, I think most people need to realize that, you, you know, when you, you overstay. <laughs> you're walk, welcome. You know, you're welcome. You know, yeah. when it's time for you to move on. And some people yeah. will go until they get the actual boo and say, okay, it's time for you to go. But you know, you kind of sense or feel, okay, I'm done with this company. It's time for me to move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was I then, um, I had always done the strategy work and so on and what's next, what it would take to do next. So I did the capital expense request for Frito-Lay, for example, when we went yeah. to Frito-Lay, which is a huge company. And then um, we had several bosses along this journey. And uh, the, the boss at that time was kind of like, well, do you want to do the 
implementation execution or you want to continue doing the strategy work? And it wasn't really a question. She was kind of telling me this colleague of yours is yeah. going to do the execution. You're going to do the strategy work. So then I, I became kind of a colleague of the chief architect there where the chief architect did everything outside of SAP and mm-hmm. I did everything within the realm of SAP. And at the time we were spending as much on SAP as everything else combined. So yeah. we both reported to the CTO and what then happened is I, I got kind of the rest of the things. We emerged with the, uh, the global uh, implementation before international U.S. was kind of separate. Then it became one big program. And I did some, um, I did basically all the prep for the rest of the world. Yeah. And then it was really about execution. So they're kind of like, we don't need two chief architects anymore. We kind of know what the, and the big new things were going to be um, enterprise data, there was a big program, which I actually did the, um, again, the CapEx and the proposal for around, um, Pepsi has a lot of people actually delivering product. So Frito-Lay goes yeah. directly to the store. They don't yes, they do. sell to some company and ship it to their warehouse. They, don't distribute it. they go to the mom and pop No, they store. go with that truck to the store. Yes. The other one's stacking yeah. at night. And you can imagine internationally, for example, um, if I get these facts right, the U.S. had 13,000 truck routes. So That's uh, it? Yeah, I've heard of more than that. No, no, no. Thirteen thousand is a lot. They were like, I mean, out of the, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of trucking fleet, they were like yeah. right after like FedEx. So I mean, okay. <laughs> all right. So never mind, then, people. Yeah, thirteen thousand is a lot because each each has a, has several stops and they yes, go up to twice a week. So that's yes. a lot of routing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just a, I think when I went to Mexico for their stuff. They have as much in Mexico because they drop at like, you know, the, the person's like on a street corner in Mexico City with a little cart. That's, yeah. that's a customer. And they drop. Oh, my and, God. That's even worse. <laughs> so you can imagine in countries like that how yeah, many, yeah. you know, we don't really have that. Pepsi does not deliver to street vendors in the U.S. Like, okay. I, I, <laughs> but, but internationally, that's pretty big. And um, we did the proposal for all that. That was more of the focus then, and it moved a little bit away from the or SAP. So they offered me another job and they offered me what I call my bronze parachute. It wasn't quite golden. It was bronze. Okay. So I took the bronze parachute. Um, okay. This simply because I was kind of like, hey, I've been there by then, like I said, 11 years. I, yeah. Time for something else. Um, I had a choice between two things. I'm like, hey, if they're going to give me a nice um, goodbye present, I'll take, I take it. it. Yes. Yeah. And then that's how I ended up at, at Caterpillar was um, Caterpillar was actually, that was more, um, they had their CEO stop their big transformation. So I actually went to Caterpillar from the SAP experience, not from my architecture experience. And um, I've never been in a place that stopped their SAP implementation. Maybe I'm lucky. I, I've been the one kind of bumpy go live, but that had very good reasons, but otherwise they've always been pretty successful. Did and, you know? Did you know why? Did they ever give you the reason why the CEO stopped? Yeah, that? they just um, too much, too expensive. And what happens? That, oh. um, Caterpillar is an incredibly cyclical business, and um, oh, so I mean, we're talking cyclical. Some of their business units they have 90 percent revenue drops when it goes down. Not like five percent, ten percent. They. It's I, I've never been in a business like that because Pepsi, you can imagine Pepsi is kind of like, 
you know, when Pepsi loses a half a percent market share against Coke, yeah. it's like, oh my God, what happened? You know? <laughs> but, 90% uh, you have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, how does that's impossible? Um, yeah. So what they were in a downturn and what often then happens was, you know, any program that's spending huge amounts of money, they really yep. look at. And um, again, people were kind of unhappy with the way they did it. Um, so the combination of that and, and a downturn, they just, they put the, they put, that's actually very similar how I ended up being the chief architect. Once I got there, we started the program again, but the downturn continued. Actually, when I joined the lucky me, um, they had the longest downturn ever in history. It was long. It was one year longer than after the great depression. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, my perfect timing. So they, yep. we started the whole program again. They, they were going to do an acquisition even. And we yep. had one of the mining, big mining sites, uh, mining facilities, these are big facilities to go live next. And uh, literally they actually called off the acquisition and they stopped the implementation maybe two months, three months before go live, just because they, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're a, they're considered one of those consistent growth companies, consistent dividend payments. So they make very sure that their dividends, they either stay the same or they go up. So they're very cautious about, you know, that consistent performance to Wall Street, which is why I think they do these big financial changes when, the, when, when they get hit and they get hit hard, right? So they got to make tough decisions to be able to be this kind of predictable wow. company. So it's a, it's a that's how I got into they. I was kind of like, I'm out of here. I, I mean, you're stopping the USAP. I came here to turn this around and okay, we did our best, but I'm going somewhere else. I, I actually only planned to work there two, two years or two or three to see. And you spent and, over seven years. Yes. So and they tapped me on, they, yeah, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, um, we need someone more from the business side to help with architecture. And so I, I, I actually split at the beginning. I had, had I had the business and application architects and a colleague of mine at the tech and data architects. And then within a half a year, just stuff happened and they gave me all of architecture. And then I did that for about four years. Yeah. Which I thought was really fun. Actually, that's why I'm trying to do what I'm doing now. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think a very cool job um, in the IT realm. So um, yeah, that was, again, see how often things happen with coincidence. It was just, uh, they were looking for someone with a more of a business bend because I, I started in management consulting after business school and then went into SAP and Deloitte. So I've always come from the business angle, not the infrastructure networking, more from the business process and then business application side is how I got into it. So, uh, they knew that they happened to need that, um, because they, they had more trouble connecting with the business and the application side than they did um, connecting with the technical side, which actually happens very often because the tech stack is is very often centralized in companies, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. the business and the business doesn't make that many decisions. The business is not going to tell you, you know, I, I want to, you know, networking. I want to work with British Telecom. I mean, they don't care who does networking. I mean, and infrastructure, they're not going to tell you, you know what, I, I think we should, we should, you know, we shouldn't go, uh, our, our storage shouldn't be EMC. You want to do this. They're not gonna, you know, whether you do AWS, Azure Cloud, Google Cloud, the business doesn't give a hoot, right? Yeah, so as long those as functions, there, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's like electricity. You know, you plug yeah. it in the wall, and your thing works, right? Exactly. So um, those functions, 
are a lot easier to manage because you're basically just dealing with IT and you're dealing mm-hmm. with basically the CIO is the final decision maker versus you talk about business applications like, you know, how should I do my customer relation management or how should I do this thing in purchasing or how should I do this in financial planning or how should I, right now suddenly the finance people care. And then it's not just one finance person, the, you know, Caterpillar, I think it's 35 business units, right? The CFO of each business unit cares. So now how do you get them to agree to the same thing? You know, that's a lot harder to do, right? Um, oh, yeah. With, well, and they don't understand IT world because one of the, when I worked in different companies, the only thing they understood is IT is a black hole, meaning you don't make money out of it. You're spending a lot of money to get yes. things running, which helps the sales and everything you do to run. But when they have to look at cut down, the first thing they're looking at, like you said, they're looking at the numbers and it's always IT. Like I said, it's a, it's a black hole. Don't yeah. even try to cut it. Which is such a surprise to me because it's been proven over and over. And right now, you know, I mean, the buzzword now is digital transformation, all this stuff. Yes. And yeah. um, it's, it's baffling to me. And it's been proven for a long time before even that buzzword came out that uh, companies who partner well with IT and use it effectively do very well. Yeah. And you can see, if you look at the stock market, uh, the most valuable companies are all IT-driven companies, right? Exactly. It's, the, it's the big yeah. ones like Amazon and uh, Apple, and yeah. they've taken over the world. And uh, it's always been baffling to me that people view it as a cost center. And it's always reported very often, still, most of the time, IT, the CIO reports to the CFO, which makes yeah. no sense to me. Like, they yeah. should be like chief operating officer or CEO or somebody who really understands and cares about the operations of the company and how they should work because what process do you do nowadays without it i I don't know what i i mean right now what are we doing (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah i mean it's not like we're sitting in a conference room that an airplane took us to we're we're sitting behind our computer talking to each other and exactly it's everywhere that's why it baffles me in how many companies and i think it has to do with what you said they're a bit scared of it the average management doesn't yes. understand don't. IT, so then they treat it, the simplest thing is treated like a cost center and abuse the CIO because, I mean, you see CIOs get switched, like, I mean, all the time. It's like because when something goes wrong, it's the CIO's fault. Exactly. <laughs> and the problem is, in most of the case, it's not because they don't have the funding. And most of the things I've seen for the past 25 years, because I've been a consulting person for that long, is going into a company, looking at it, and every IT department I have seen are running so thin. It's like we're running on thin ice until somebody goes, something goes down, the entire house of God will go down. Right. And then the CIO gets fired and gets blamed for it. Although for years they've been asking for, hey, this is dangerous. Why shouldn't, why don't we do this? Ah, you're exaggerating. You know, it's not that bad. And you got (laughs) the people inside who are trying to fix things and they are basically so stressed out because they cannot fix the software because it doesn't run properly because they're putting patch after patch instead of having the next version. But the next version costs $250,000 to do, but nobody wants to spend the money because it's just a And the more you put band-aids on it, the harder it is to fix. Oh, I have seen The more expensive it is. So, but everybody wants to just, you know, put little... I always compare it to, you know, in your facilities, your manufacturing, you know, becoming from a manufacturing company, let's say in your manufacturing facilities, 
it's not like, oh, yeah, the roof is leaking a little bit and it's raining on my machines and uh, yeah, I don't care. You know, I, and by the way, you know, I won't replace this with a steel beam. Let's put some sort of wooden oh, no. thing here and it won't come down. <laughs> they don't do that. I'm like, why do you do it with IT? <laughs> but they've been doing it for years because they're expecting people within the IT to fix that somehow somewhere with the rainbow. And I have seen, as I said, it, it was baffles me when I worked um, as an analyst and I was working between the IT and the users mm -hmm. and I was always shaking my head I'm like what is wrong with you people and the people in the IT world were so stressed out and I'm like oh I feel for you people it's not that fun when you have a yes. system that goes down everybody's yelling at you you yeah. don't have what it takes to fix it yeah yeah no yeah they always it's not a fun department which is by the by the way I mean this is a little bit of a I'm not sure it's a great thing to publicize, but uh, that's what I like about the architecture role. I mean, the way typically, on the way I like to use architects, it's more very much forward looking, right? So we come in, if there's a new business transformation, okay, how should we exactly design the IT yeah. portion of it to make mm -hmm. it work? Um, always upfront, but not in the execution and the fix. And um, yeah, because if you're in the execution, you know, people want to go live on New Year's Eve because it's a new fiscal year and so on. I don't want to be in work on midnight. On <laughs> uh, we, go lives are on the weekends, right? Uh -huh. um, if, if a system goes down, you get called in the middle of the night, you get beat uh -huh. up. Yeah. I'm like, who wants that job? Well, and People I don't call the architect saying, you know, the strat wasn't the strategy due like yesterday and oh my God, it's got to be done. I'm like, yep. What if it takes another week or two, nobody loses sleep. So uh, you get to do really interesting work and you don't have this constant, man, I, I don't have a, you know, used to be the pager at home that uh, you get paged and you got to do yeah, X, Y, Z. You got to, mm -hmm. you got to do the weekend shift. I, Somebody yep. has to be there. You got to yep. all that. And these products. The, the so, IT yeah. masses have to go through that crap all the time. I, I love that you're saying because that reminds me a few years ago well, many years ago a few decades ago when i was actually dating somebody who was doing this and he had a pager every four weeks and trust me and we did off a walk afternoon on a saturday or sunday we had to leave yeah on the middle of a dinner we yeah. had to leave because yeah. the house was going down and they had to go back over there but the worst part of it too is that everybody were pointing fingers at each other's not mm -hmm. that himself so he or, or on the top of fixing it had to spend his time to show where he came from the problem yeah. <laughs> it was horrible i'm like that's yeah, great but, it, but it's like, all that behavior that yes what happens is unfortunately if you're the you know if you're the fault whatever you could get beat the crap yep. out of yeah and i'm like well there's probably some other deeper root cause of why this all happened and it's because exactly. you're not maintaining your systems right you're yeah. not whatever but yeah, very often it's this then. Yeah. And then everybody kind of hides. I don't want to be the one, you know, that's then blamed and has to go in front of the CIO and say, yeah, I did this wrong or whatever. And yes. it's just, yeah. Well, who wants that job? Yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that's been very interesting, but I like the fact that you talked about, you know, implementation as well, because I've seen people, uh, businesses having like an, a version that is so old that it could barely war work and nobody wanted to fund it, the new version, because it costs too much to upgrade. Mm -hmm. The problem when you buy a system, like 
I'm going to take example of SAP or Oracle. It doesn't change. Doesn't matter which system you've got. There is always always a new and improved version. So mm -hmm. by the time they were implementing something, it was already like I said, two three version older uh, than what was coming out, which make it harder on the top of it too to try to upgrade some of the bugs, the implementation, and stuff like that. So. I think people need to understand when you got in companies, when you got system in place, that version you've got kind of have to be upgraded soon. Yeah, but and that's what's so beautiful now about it's really ironic. The the best features of software as a service products is is really ironic in my mind, right? So when someone buys a software as a service product, you, you can't change their code, right? It gets mm -hmm. auto upgraded. You have no choice. Like you, you'll yep. get the new. I don't know for are we on Zoom? Yeah, you'll get the new yep. Zoom features, whether you ask for them or not. They're just going to exactly be, right. Yeah, uh, you don't call Zoom and say, "Hey, could you?" You might put requests in, but you don't say, "By tomorrow, I want you to enhance this, and I want you know, I want yep. there to be a nice flowery frame around my picture." It's got to be there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's beautiful with the SaaS vendors is the business accepts that for some reason. Yes. So the business doesn't go and ask for anything new. They, you tell them, oh, that's how it works. And they go, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, okay, I get it. I just have to work this way. Now you give them a product on-premise, like an Oracle or ERP, let's say, not yeah. their SaaS product, but the on-premise. Yeah. Oh, we can enhance this? Oh, we can do something special with it? Oh, let's enhance the crap out of it. And you tell them, don't. It's horrible when you do that yeah. because yeah. upgrades get expensive. You might not get as good of a support. Let's say yeah. you build something on it and then you call SAP and they're like, well, you copied these functions and then you you butcher it exactly of course it's not going to work so then you get the finger pointing you did that we didn't do that exactly so what's so great about these SaaS products is the business just accepts the fact i won't change them i will accept yeah. their business processes and this is what we've been telling them for years when you when you put in a major system like sap the best thing to do is accept their standard business process change the way you work and work the way they like to work and then because it's not differentiating right how you enter a purchase order for a box of pencils will not make your company successful or not. But when you go through this process, oh, I need this. And this isn't, I'm like, why are you even arguing about this? Who gives a crap how you buy pencils? But because they can fool around with it, the business does. And if it's a SaaS product, you just tell them you can't do that. Oh, okay. Like, to me, well, yeah, because I mean, there are other advantages of SaaS products, but that's the biggest advantage is nobody messes with them. So they exactly. <laughs> but I, I remember, I remember uh, with SAP, every time you do a customization, it wasn't, and it was write it down black and white. You, we are not supporting the way you customize. Mm -hmm. But also, when it's like having those big software, and I'm going to be like the devil advocate at some point, because you cannot standardize every business that should be using some specific reporting, but you need other reporting, you need other things as well that needs to be customized to the response of what you're looking at, to your KPI. Mm -hmm. It makes it harder as well to just say, well, here's what you got in your box and you deal with it and it will be the life out of it. So you try to dictate what companies should be doing. Yeah, but There should be some on, flexibility sorry. and leave it on this one. I don't know. Yeah, but there is, there is, um, this is always the, there's certain things that are easy to do, right? Um, yeah. Reporting, for example, Mm -hmm. is a lot easier to create, edit, whatever, keep clean. It doesn't break things versus transactional processing can break things because oh, yeah. you need all this logic, right? Reporting is just, let's make sure we understand the data right and put it somewhere yep. in a warehouse. Yeah, It doesn't break anything, right? You mess with yep. the transactions. Now you're dealing with the business logic and the business workflow, and now you can break stuff. So it really depends <laughs> on what you enhance. 
and then yeah. how you enhance it, right? There's nothing wrong with a clean call out using the standard API or whatever, or BAPI in, in SAP language or whatever they call it nowadays. But I mean, still I keep that to a minimum because it's all just complexity. But if yeah. you absolutely need it, there's ways to do it that is not as confrontational. And by the way, you do that with SaaS products too. Most SaaS yeah. products have APIs where you can call in and out. Um, I will, and I if you do I'm that right, it's okay. But still, what I argue for is I, I love to use the word kiss, you know, keep it simple, stupid, is the biggest problem I see with large firms is they're too complicated. Yes. Why, uh, like, it, it's hilarious. I can, any of those that I've worked for, if I, as a manager, want to buy something, oh my God, it's like, how do you use this purchasing thing? And then they put all these fields in them. Well, you got to classify what type of material it is. And yep. this drop down comes down of like a thousand yep. material classifications. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? I buy things, you know, three times a year. Is this now, you know, what category is it? And then if I want to charge it to somebody else's cost center, they, they have yep. like, just the cost center number comes yes, down, pick from the cost center. I'm like, how am I supposed to know this guy's cost center? <laughs> then I got to go in the HR system. I'm like, but they do all this super fancy stuff because then they can do analysis on what they've purchased, you know, the material yes. group. Yes. Well, it's wrong anyway, because what I do is I pick the first one that comes up because I can't figure out what the hell all these are. <laughs> so, so they make it so complicated that the user actually can't use the system right. So now the user can't use it. Yeah. The reporting is off because they made it too complicated. I mean, stop with this yeah. complexity. Keep it simple. I like, keep it like, like if you're going to make it more complicated, let's take the purchasing example. You got to know, okay, I, I must have a thousand ways to find out whose cost center that is with yeah. easy to understand search criteria, whatever, not just from some sort of number thing. If, if I pick the material group, there's got to be something that makes it very clear. Somebody else is saying, if I, if I buy this thing and I can pick a standard mm -hmm. thing, then it is automatically this material group. If it's free text or something, they got to make it very simple for me to pick the right thing. Then it's okay. But very often, that's not how they think about it. Oh, I want all this granularity and reporting and all this cool stuff. And they just throw it at the user. And the user's like, what the? <laughs> yeah, I know. But here's the problem, too, because I had conversation about this. And OK, first of all, numbers should be the primary key, which it's an argument with Oracle because they're using and to me is appalling. But I'm an old school on regarding of primary key. So I talked about it because I encountered the story you're telling me something I encountered in the past where you're looking at a number and say, what is wrong with you people? But the deal is, is those cost center because there's such turnaround with people because, you know, in Europe, people stay longer in their jobs than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It makes it difficult to have a name tied to it because it's HR related and the link in there, if they change, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. If they get uh, if they get a new position within the company, the cost center will not follow. It's just a nightmare. Right. So and all never, that stuff, you need to simplify yeah. as much as you possibly can because that. And at the end of the day, all that they get out of it, I'm like, really? I mean, how much does that impact how well you're serving your customer? How much does that impact how good your products are? Close it to does, nothing. It's so why do you even five. give a crap? <laughs> it, you don't. But the person who has their own budget, I'm telling you, I have people who are looking at their budget on a monthly oh, basis. Yeah. And if you put the pencil in there and they'd like, who had that pencil? I know. Again. They would have a temperature from this. They would yeah. go and get it removed because that's their internal budget. So they yes. need to probably figure out a different way how to do it. Absolutely. They need to figure out a different <laughs> way. That's the problem. That's why it's pretty simple when you're often when your systems are really screwed up, very likely your business processes are really screwed up because you're doing stuff that makes no sense. And that made it so complicated.
and people had to do all these extra rules on top of it. They're like, yep. why are you doing this? I remember I had, uh, had a client where the CFO wanted to know the costs of things and then the cost variance of things to like some minute level so he could analyze. And then he had so much data, he didn't know what to do with it anymore. He's like, you know, and then he printed out, he'd always want printouts. We're like, okay, your last oh, no. cost report was like this. It was like, you know, like this thick of like- <laughs> It's a book. The big, like, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? Finally, the guy got fired. So that was good. Okay, but, uh, but, but, uh, but, sorry. But I'm just like, it's just amazing- People want this, like, I mean, are you actually going to use this? Are you actually going to do anything with it? Can you actually get the data to be accurate enough so that what you're doing is meaningful? Because then the worst yes. thing also is, is they make it so complicated. And if the user has to be involved in making sure the data is entered correctly, well, yep. it's already dangerous. Now your data is garbage. Now what you're, now the decisions you're making out of them are garbage and you're spending tons of money to create garbage and make garbage decisions. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> well, but this is, you know, the worst part of it. And I'm going to say that it's happening to million and billion companies that I work. They look robust, what sell. And I always said, what saved them were their sales. They spent so much money. Their system were not accurate. Mm -hmm. They were all over the places, not good, running on thin ice. Like something happened to one of the system. They will paralyze for hours and hours. If it's not a day or two, everybody Else's, but what saves them were the sales because mm -hmm. everybody were, were buying products out of their system and everything was fine. But internally, it's all on thin ice. Yeah. And I think that a lot uh, of people yeah. are moving to the cloud, a lot of people moving to this and that, but the, the process is still using it is still the thin ice process. It's not done yes. properly. And like yeah. we said at the beginning of the conversation is understanding that IT is, you're never going to make money out of it, but you need to pour the money in for the system to work perfectly, for a company to run efficiently, and you can increase your sales. And people, as we talked at the beginning, the first thing they cut out is IT, or they're going to outsource IT somewhere else, which makes it even worse because the response time never come on time. You're talking... I used to, and I, I'm going to say, I'm going to admit it publicly. One year I had to call uh, IT because something wasn't working on my, uh, on a computer. I couldn't get in for some reason. I had something I couldn't get in. So I had to call and it's an outsourced call center. Outsourced call centers have their own script. They follow their script. They don't deviate from the script. So I couldn't talk to somebody internally where I was who was downstairs, I could have brought my laptop and get it done in five minutes, okay? The person made me run around for an hour, which I know was a waste of time. I got so tired. He moved me to a tier two. I'm like, oh boy. And at the end I said, and I kept repeating for 20 minutes. I want to talk to my IT downstairs. I want to talk to my IT downstairs. I said that for 20 minutes until he gave up. And finally, I had access to that person downstairs. Otherwise, a delegate. Yeah, by the way, that's not just it. an IT problem. It's overall shared services, right? Uh, yeah. What I've seen over and over and over again is, again, it's a siloed thinking. So what happens is, yeah. you know, companies outside outsource a lot of their uh, standard purchasing or standard HR processes or uh, core financial journal entry processes or something they they they're outsourcing a lot not just it and what happens is like you have a procurement shared service and that person gets measured in 
how much money they save from procurement, how efficiently they run. And what they start doing is they push more and more onto the user, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they get their cost structure down, but now suddenly, and then very often very expensive, highly paid people have to spend, I don't know what amount of time because they can't answer the questions, but for them, they look really efficient. I spend it's, such, hours. it's so stupid. It's like, yep. if you add up the hours that yep. you're Wasting? highly paid, expensive employees mm-hmm. are spending fighting yep. with this shared service, not getting answers, yes. but nobody looks at those costs. No, no, They're that cares. other department's problem, right? That's like, yep. if I worked in IT and expensive resources spend tons of time talking to procurement on the phone and can't yep. get stupid purchase order out, Yeah. Um, you know, for like a mouse, yep. uh, you know, they... Um, it, that time gets allocated to the IT department. So the IT department might start looking inefficient, but pure equipment still looks really good. Exactly. And then they limit you to vendors where they can get great prices, whereas it's like, but the value sucks. I see this oh, all yeah. the time in, in IT. They want to go with these big houses and yeah. whatever. I was like, like, I had no problem hiring, you know, a Deloitte for $300 an hour. But if I wanted to get an expert who knew eight times as much as the Deloitte person for like $120 an hour. Oh, well, we can't just go to this individual person. We've got to go through all these things and they and need it because of insurance. Oh, it's yeah. like, like, okay, I'll, I'll pay the $300 an hour. I don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> I know. And then for them, they, they say, well, our Deloitte bill, um, we have a better negotiator with Deloitte and it went from here to here. I'm like, yeah, but if we didn't use Deloitte, <laughs> we'd be down here. With exactly. But they, they look great, right? They, they, yeah. they, lower their average cost and then you know and then on the poor service you know no because they push it to you (laughs) and yeah because the sad part the person at the end of the phone when you're talking to them they follow a script so they're not going to tell you how to fix your problem and that's what happened what the funniest part is i remember that year when it just happened to me so i started to repeat this and the first person i talked to that was my first speech for 20 minutes and they finally gave up with me it's like every time i did that every time i got access after 20 minutes to the right person on site i had a lady that i knew for two days she was asking to get something fixed for over two days all right Mm -hmm got bounced on. I went into her uh, cube. I was in uh, looking at her thing and she said, I have a problem with this. I show me this. I fixed that in five minutes. It took her two days to yeah. talk to people on a phone. Oh, I, I have a funny story in that one right now. That I'm, so yeah. the, my previous employer, I want to say, you know who it is, but I just won't say uh-huh. it. But, uh, after I left, you know, they, because uh, everybody's we're working remote now, they're supposed to send you a shipping label to, to send yep. your PC back. Yep. I left in February. I still have their PC. Again, they outsource that PC service. I've called them three times. They don't want guys. I I don't. This thing's worthless to me. Of course, they're all because of security and so on. They're all like frozen and whatever. I'm like, are you ever going to ask for your? I mean, I I don't know how many times you want me to call you that I have a expensive laptop here that belongs to you. I'm just want to give it back to you. Yeah. I still don't have it. What it's been now? It's it's five months. Yep. I've called three times. I'd like to give you your laptop back, radio science. But I'm sure they're looking good. Their average cost is probably low and all this kind of stuff. And what they pay for an average laptop is probably great. But have you counted the thousands of laptops that are probably still at someone's house that you could be using? Isn't that horrible? It's it's pretty horrifying if you don't even know where your inventory is. I'm like, I don't know how many times I have to call these people. I'm like, okay. 
But again, it probably somehow it doesn't affect them. So it's no. just like, ah, whatever. No, somebody probably said they received it back and it probably went back to inventory. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and said, we don't care. Stop. Stop. Maybe you're going to receive a call that says, stop harassing us. We know <laughs> we harassing. don't have it. You just want to talk to us. Leave us alone. <laughs> but it's very, as I said, it's very interesting when you're looking outsource. And, you know, I don't mind outsource at all, but you need to no. outsource the right people, yes. not the cheapest yes. one you know yes. it's like if you need help if one of your employees spend two three hours frustrated because they cannot do their job you lost a lot of money yeah yeah and no, you don't it's... realize that and a lot of people complain about it but uh, as i said uh, nobody cared yeah. and at the end as i and said it, i found yeah. i found the right thing one day i just that broke me it's yeah. like i want to talk to that person and we had the it on site that's the worst part of it i'm like how could you have both? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. No. But it's but it's typical because you you outsource commodity functions or what yeah. you think is a commodity function. So yeah. you care about that it's really cheap because mm -hmm. hey, a commodity should be cheap, and that's the whole focus. And yep. people lose sight of them. I mean, they we always have these KPIs and all this that uh, focus yes. on the quality of it and all that yep. kind of stuff. But it's clearly not the absolute priority. What everybody then talks about is how much money I saved over there. They don't talk about uh, our quality of service went up or- Exactly, um, exactly. And that's, you know, that's the challenging part of it. And it's like, oh my goodness. So now back to moving uh, to now doing your own stuff because it looks like you- Oh, my own stuff. Yeah. Yes, you decided. So what did you decide to start to do your own consulting uh, work? What inspired you? What inspired what me really was uh, timing and my, my daughter is a, my, my son just is going to college. So he's a graduating senior and my daughter has two more years left in, um, in high school. So my plan was always once my daughter's in high school, I do this independent consulting to, uh, still make some money. Um, I'm good enough off that I don't have to make that much um, and do that for another 10 years rather than uh, continue on the corporate grind and then for another four or five years and then totally quit. I'm like, I want to do something anyway. So then I thought maybe I should try this out to see if it works before <laughs> I assume this is my plan. So what I'm doing now is I'm giving myself like a year, although my wife doesn't want to give me that long, but uh, to see, can I make this independent consulting thing work? Yeah. And then can I pace it to, you know, I want to do like a third consulting, a third give back to, you know, good causes, charity. I'm like one of those boards that uh, we inspire that's a, that's a um, nonprofit board. So those actually cost you money. They don't, <laughs> they typically want some money for you as a donation and then you work for them for, for free. Uh, yeah. So I want to do like a third still consulting to make money a third to kind of give back and help somehow people that are less fortunate than me and a third i would just want to have more fun so what i'm trying to do is can i actually make this work can i make this model work so i'm giving myself this time to figure out and then if it works i'll do it if it doesn't work i'll i'll just get one more big job and um but then i know once my daughter is in goes to college i know can i activate this consulting career for the next and I can do that longer because it's kind of fun right I, I don't want to just sit around so um, mm -hmm. but at the same time I don't want to do a full-time grind in the, so I'm like that would be the ideal situation so 
I, I thought, hey, it's better to, for me to try it out to see if it works. And then I can make a decision which way to go once my daughter goes to college. So that's the grand plan. And it's going okay so far. It takes some, it's a lot of networking. Yes, it it's, does. Uh, it's, uh, it takes yeah. a while, but it's starting to go. And then what's interesting is you get a lot of revenue streams that you didn't think about. Like, like uh, you know, I wanted to do, you know, be like whisper in the ears of CIOs of mid-sized companies on IT strategy and, or help larger companies form an effective enterprise architecture team, stuff like that. And uh, there's all kinds of other ways you can make money today. There's these expert consulting things where they, you basically just give expert advice for an hour and you can charge yep. pretty high rates because yep. they just want to talk to someone uh, for a short period of time. It's not like a huge contract. So they'll, um, then there's software firms, which surprised me. They want you to help sell service, sell their software or give, give feedback on their software. Because again, through enterprise architecture, everybody had to come through our team to buy new software. Um, yeah. So I've got a lot of experience on what we look for, what works, what doesn't. If you're offering this kind of product, this is an important function for you. Uh, so actually a lot of software companies are hiring me on a kind of advisory basis to help them with product positioning, sales and things like that. But yeah, it's interesting. Once you get into this world, you start realizing, wow, you know, you thought this is the way to go. And there's all these other ways that you can also um, help people out and they'll pay you for it. So that's what I'm experiencing right now. So it's a lot of little things that um, come together, but that's actually what I like about it. I, I like the variety of work, you know, I like the, Oh, now I got to think about, I'm a software vendor and I want to sell to this company. Oh, now I'm a CIO in this company. And what should they be doing in terms of IT strategy? Now I'm, you know, it's interesting. You get to, and it forces you, if you want to be marketable, it also forces you to still stay on top of things. So yes. doing research on your own. So my, that's kind of fun. I kind of try to, what are the latest trends? What is there something that I'm missing? So it's that variety is what I like. And that's really why I always like the chief architect role. And I'd still consider a role like that actually as a permanent job if the right one comes along. Um, Cause you get to, you're always kind of on the next thing that the company's doing. So you're, mm -hmm. it's a, and you're on, if you do it right, right, you're on the big things because the big transformations in a company are the ones that change your architecture. That's where yes. a lot of money gets spent for IT, mm -hmm. for changing things. So yep. I always made sure my team was inserted in the really, so it's a nice, it's an interesting job. You get to explore all the new stuff and you get to be part of figuring out how to do these big things. Typically my people were involved early mm -hmm. uh, to figure out how to, to kind of set the course. And then you let the execution people take over. And that's, really a variety of interesting work around, you know, the industrial IoT stuff that's happening around AI and ML around, I mean, all the newer topics you get involved in because they're trying to figure out how to use them in companies and they come to architecture. So um, that's what I liked about the chief architect job. And that's kind of what I like about this consulting is you work with people for all kinds of different reasons. It's not the same old, same old, you know, it's not like I'm just implementing yeah. SAP and let's do this exactly. again. I've done this. I've done this 80 times. This is what you have to do at the beginning. Then you got to do this. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's always something new. It's a little bit challenging. Uh, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, but it's definitely the variety is what, what uh, attracted me to try to do this, uh, this kind of work that I'm now doing. So um, keeping my fingers crossed that it works out. And it's, I can tell how it's, and it seems a little bit like a snowball effect. What happens is at the beginning, you're just getting your word out. Yes. And, but you're not getting any gigs, really. You get this yeah. little stuff I talk about. But then suddenly, once somebody kind of, once you land a bigger fish, <laughs> 
And what happens is your network grows. So you start growing your network and then you grow your network with your network. So yeah. you meet two new people and those two people might have 40 good contacts. So now the next time around you meet 80 people. And the next yeah. So what starts happening is it just gets, and I can see also from the work, it's just, you know, oh, here's a call here. Now it's like this, that, this, it's just, but it takes a little bit of time. You got to have patience. You don't expect it to work from day one. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a very good point. So can you talk to me about We Inspired Movement? Oh, yeah. I love that one because um, I should normally I have, uh, by the way, what's nice is I can have my own dress code of a t-shirt. Uh, but uh, that's I, awesome. uh, <laughs> why, I, why I like that group is uh, I met at a, a convention, I met the founders mm -hmm. of Life is Good, the t-shirt company. I don't know if you know them, they always have the Life is Good is on their t-shirt. They were actually they started, I think, in Gloucester, Massachusetts. I'm pretty close to them right now. Um, and their philosophy was, hey, we want to we sell tea. There's so much bad news in the world and bad stuff going on, and that gets publicized. I want to just put nice, life is good messages on my T-shirts. You know, like, life is good. We should enjoy it. We have so many things to be thankful about. Let's. And this is the same kind of concept from a, they basically uh, publish and, and then sponsor people that are doing you know encouraging stories so all they do is publish things that are going that are good good things that are people that people are doing around the world so it's the whole philosophy is just let's bombard people with positive news versus all this negative news you see all the time uh there's actually a lot of good stuff going on in the world but we tend to because it's the way social media works <laughs> their yes. algorithms work and so mm -hmm. on uh we get exposed to bad news all the time uh, and the same thing in the news, right? Bad news is a lot more interesting than good news. So we just get bombarded but, with all this bad news and they focus I, on exactly you, the opposite. Have you ever realized as well, because um, most people don't realize that, but uh, computers, because of the new systems and we, it was what, a year ago, two years ago, uh, we were having a um, power in the meeting uh, very early and somebody was talking about specific things and she looked at her computer and uh, look at the advertising that was on net. And what she said actually was what she was showing at that point. So computers, uh, our phones are listening to us as well, which is kind of creepy in one way, but this is the AI. Mm -hmm. And so if you speak negatively, then things gonna pop up. If you ask for something uh, or you're looking at, oh, I want to look at jewelry, I want to look at a dress, I want to look at a house, all of a sudden you get, um, um, what do you call it? Um, a lot of ad on that, so yeah. it's very interesting. So it seems like we inspired movement. It seems like a very good company that want to bring more positivity into the world, exactly. which is like. And what I'm trying to do is, um, I think what they can do is actually, again, coming from the business side, right? They have a lot of people on their board that are like experienced in charities and things like that. But coming from the business side, to me. I think this would resonate with a lot of companies, right? Because companies mm -hmm. internally also have these employee resource groups or so on, and they, they love to publish what they're doing well in terms of sustainability, yep. all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of like, take advantage of it. If you're a, you're basically, your business is to create a community that then is interested in these stories. I mean, you can have, you know, click-through advertising, right? Companies would love to publish the good things they do. That's, you know, they, they, but they do it for a selfish reason, right? <laughs> because they say, yeah. hey, they, they will associate their brand with it. 
Um, but they're still doing good. It's not like they're, they're uh, totally selfish. Um, and I think there's something there that they're not taking advantage of is, is I bet um, corporate marketing or PR mm-hmm. or functions would be interested yeah. in groups like that that say, hey, look, company XYZ, they sponsored this and they're making clean water in Africa somewhere or something like that. This mm-hmm. is a great story. I write a little story about it and, and then actually get funding through them rather than right now they're just, you know, asking generous people to give money. But um, I thought that that what they're trying to do is actually something that a lot of people want and a lot of people would help them out to get positive word out versus just um, everything that's negative, which again, like you say, I mean, it gets reinforced by the social media algorithms, right? Negative news news gets more clicks, more clicks is more money because likely some sort of click through purchase. Okay, Therefore, okay, it's yes. self-fulfilling. I mean, it's a self-fulfilling process, which, yeah, and I don't know when the government will figure that out. Uh, oh, tend oh they're be, not. Because, they tend to be extremely slow. But, uh, <laughs> someday that think... light bulb might go off. I don't know. <laughs> they, just, they just think that they're bad players because they're big right now. Yes. But their fundamental advertising business model is driven off of, uh, off of things that, that, cause negative communication so like, i don't know when they're going to figure that out or or care about doing anything about it i don't know <laughs> well uh yeah i agree uh i will uh say something on the side because i do have a company that i know uh that provides some free advertising uh for nonprofits. so i will talk to you offline on this okay. one um as well yes uh the name of that company is digital interstellar uh, digital and uh, that's an awesome company actually and uh, they do provide for nonprofit, which i love it's very very nice to do that uh um i will send you a link because i do have a link uh for for nonprofit to uh, right. get um free advertising and stuff like that so they they have those nonprofit because i directed one for which is called uh, the legend of the past which is um a nonprofit for animal rescue. Uh, I'm beyond that. Sorry, people. <laughs> and I'm talking here in the US, not around mm-hmm. the world. Focus here on shelters, on kill shelters as well. So we're pulling animals that are going on kill shelter and then get them adapt- adopted. That's why I got two of my dogs uh, through actually um, Legend of the Paws. I only wanted yeah. one end of Yeah, my, my, my dog and cat, we have a dog and cat. First, I thought that's a bad idea. It ended up being okay, but they're both... You know, I think the cat was found in some alley in Chicago and the, the dog. I, we didn't, we, we never bought from some sort of fancy breeder. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I, and they're, they're very nice animals. They're awesome. I mean, we got yeah. lucky. I don't know. Well, they're... those are the best animals you can ever have. It takes time because I have one of them who has PTSD. So I'm working on, she's doing very good, but he took about you know, a year and a half to get her where I needed her to be and understanding her as well, which was challenging. Like we said to people, when you get a rescued animals, uh, they're not gonna be ready in, tw- in 20 days, in 10 minutes. It takes about three, four months, mine. And I talked about it a lot, took a year and a half with her. Mike, the boy did not care. He sat down in the car, was already sleeping. And it's like, I don't care where I'm going, I'm fine. <laughs> for her, it was a different story. Yeah, oh, she's yeah, like, oh, this is this is heaven for me. Don't even yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm going for a cool ride again. I drove for three days from Texas to Minnesota. I'm good on the front. He was supposed to be in the back with the other animals because they had different crates. It's very well done. But no, she put him on the front for, for, for 
three days he was next to the driver, mm-hmm. just enjoying the ride. Not <laughs> but uh, no, so that's why. But I will pass that, pass to you that uh, um, awesome. definitely that link and stuff like that, so you guys can do that because I feel it's important and it's nice. So how did the how did you find that uh, actually? How did you find that? Uh, oh, there's um, there's all kinds of. Uh, so what I did was another thing as part of um, you know my business is hey can i what about board jobs board jobs are ideal right because they're not full-time yeah. uh you yeah. might you know if you get some sort of um board of director role you might have a bit more than the board meetings but it's it's not something and again it's interesting variety right so it falls into exactly what i'm trying to do so there's different um companies that either uh, keep tally of uh, you know people put in like, just like search firms that uh, look for board jobs. And, um, and what's interesting with those, if you go, uh, if you go join one of those or so on, um, the, they always are looking for nonprofit board members. I mean, what you see the most of are, are nonprofit boards and startup boards, because each one of those you're, you're taking, either you're committing your time or you're taking a risk. A lot of startups want you They'll give you a percentage somehow of the company, but they won't pay you. So you're hoping yeah. that it'll go, you know, get sold or something yeah. acquired by someone. And that's how you make your money. Not, and those, they have tons of out there opportunities. Now, when it gets to a publicly traded company board or so on, that's a lot harder because that's a lot safer, right? You actually get a salary, you get, you know. Um, but how did you find that board? Did you went out there and look around or how? Yeah, you, you go... Um, I joined a group, although I shouldn't say it because I'm not too happy with them, but there are, so I'll keep it quiet for now, but uh, uh, they, there are places that help you um, find board jobs, like Boardsy is one, um, then what's another one? Um, are they, a lot of them are, what is it? Uh, oh, I forget the names. Uh, so then it, is it for a fee uh, or is it free? Yeah, it's a for fee. A fee. Okay, I just want yeah. to for people to listen to here because they're gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna go over there." I'm gonna yeah, do I don't know any that are. And now the uh, the major company boards they get they get done through um, the big search firms like. Um, uh, oh, why am I why am I blanking? Uh, Hydric and Struggles and uh, you know the okay. big, but again that for those kind of board jobs. You know, you are either a CEO or CFO or major company or yeah. you have three really big boards already on your resume. That's that's when and they reach out to you. And then there's yeah. these like boards, these places where they kind of show you what's out there. Um, but those are. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how you uh, and but most board jobs like anything else are, are found through networking. Okay. So you, what you want to do is you want to get on a board and kind of see who's on the board. Are these people that make sense for your network? Because the your fellow board members will hear about because they're board people. They'll hear yeah. about board jobs and they go, "Oh, you need someone. You you're doing a big IT thing now. Hey, yeah, I, I'm not an IT guy, but I know this yeah. IT guy." And that's so again, it's a long process because again, it works through networking. You got to get on some, and that's why these. Uh, nonprofits and so on, but but what I would recommend is uh, either you're doing it purely like with this We Inspire, I didn't care, right? I just liked our cause, that's all, um, you know, but um, you might want to look at who's on the board. Are these people that you think are 
kind of board professionals and will then have other opportunities and refer you. And that's how you then start getting into the more, you know, publicly traded company boards. Okay. Well, it's very hard to just get a publicly traded company board from the get go. Um, unless they really look for, again, they don't care about CIOs that much. IT is not that important, right? They care, yeah. they, <laughs> they care about CFOs, yeah. CEOs, and uh, there's always a lawyer. And then there's somebody maybe on a people side, um, you know, to do all the board recruiting and the talk about the people strategy, but, but the biggest are really uh, lawyers, CFOs, CEOs is what, okay. uh, what it looks like the big, the, the series boards are looking for. Um, yep. And then there's a real big push towards diversity right now, which is um, happening with all the, you know, what started a couple of years ago yep. with me too, then came the black lives matter. Then yep. came, I mean, it's just, that's just really exploding and people started looking at boards and going, why are these all white males? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a big trend also that, that might give someone a little bit of leg up, but, um, but I, I noticed job wise, it's those jobs that they're really looking for. Everybody needs okay. a lawyer, right? Uh, yes. And then they want to, they want people that can advise the CEO, right? Yeah. They, and everybody needs to know the numbers. So the CFO is very good at looking at are the numbers making sense for the company. And then they want CEOs because they're brand companies. Yes. Pretty, I mean, it's pretty simple why they want those kind of people. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, that was good to share that information because I know a lot of people have uh, no, you know, no, I, not everybody has an idea where, um, where to start. Yeah. And that's a good, um, you know, that's a good insight for people to know if they want to join a board, how to do it. Again, people... If you're finding groups, there is groups, you got to pay to get in and they will give yeah. you access to those boards. So it's not free. No, it's and they're kind free. of expensive. I mean, don't expect it yes. to be, don't yes. expect it. I think boards are either first. Yes. It's like six or so, 700 to get in and then three to 400 a month or something like that. Yeah. I joined a place that was like 1800 bucks a year. It's not like, you know, a uh, LinkedIn premium membership of $39.99 a month or something. <laughs> These are yes, not, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah. a different uh, level uh, yes. of uh, membership. <laughs> and uh, uh, yes, it is a very different level of membership, but this is good. No, this was a great conversation. So what is next for you? Because you're going to, uh, so you started your own business. Uh, you're on that board. So what next? Uh, anything else next? Right now. And right now it's all about growth. So I want to make sure I understand how effective I could be in filling the pipeline of work, right? Because Mm -hmm. again, the grand strategy for me is that I can manage this and keep it to a certain level. And if I can't reach that level, then I got to go, you know, how, you know, do I want to retire on a, you know, shack up where in up somewhere in Maine or do I want to retire somewhere nice <laughs> it's not that an island in yeah, exactly yeah so topics is the wife Amazon delivering everything we need and we be so it's a little bit yes. of that I gotta I gotta figure that out <laughs> that I can't I uh, think I think your wife will go for option number 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 two for seven yes. reason I think the shack in the man is nice but I don't think she's gonna enjoy the winter over there yeah, she's more she's more she's more conservative She's always, she's just more conservative. She wants financial safety. It's not fi- financial extravagance, but safety, exactly. Right? Hey, honey, I can't pull everything. No, 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 you're not. 
<laughs> You'll be in trouble. Yeah. So, so um, that's really all I'm focusing on right now. And then the next thing would be, okay, either it's not working and let's go on a job search again, or it's okay. Now that it's working, let me start, you know, how do I maneuver myself into, well, I'm only going to take the jobs that I really want to take right now. I might take somewhere. I'm like, eh, but you know, I'll, how do I then make, navigate, make my, navigate it so that my target audience and the jobs I get are basically only things that I really, really enjoy doing. Um, but if I get that far, I'll be very happy. Uh, uh, right now, it's, I, I will I'm, talk right to now you I'm focusing on growth. Right now, I, I will talk to you offline on this one because uh, I think I got somebody that might be able to help you actually for uh, for putting some of your footprint and bring you what you need. So we'll talk offline on this awesome. one. Yes, we'll talk offline on this one. But uh, a word of advice for anybody you would like to share, something you would like to share with uh, with people, because you had a very interesting actually trajectory uh, to where you are today, which is awesome because you started within the corporate uh, world and then you branch out to do your own thing, which I think is fabulous. So it shows that people at any age, because a lot of people assume, oh, well, I'm not 20, I'm not going to stop my business because it's too late. And like, no, it's not. No, it's not. But it's no. nice to see that people can, you know, you can have years in, um, in a world of corporate and decide to have your own business at the end of the day and enjoying it. There's yeah. nothing um, wrong well, they about say that. anyway, um, maybe not as long as I did it, but the first couple of years of your, uh, the people who start their own business a little bit later in life are far more successful because they, yes, they've seen a lot, not only, right? Because not only this, but you get, and for me, it's like wisdom come with age. We yes. are hoping some, they still don't, but <laughs> I would say the majority of people have the wisdom that comes yeah. with age. I did not know what I know today when I was younger, even yeah. 10 years ago, even five years ago. Yeah. So knowledge uh, and being able to have that wealth of knowledge and um, working experience is way stronger than a young bee who just got fresh out of uh, university or school or mm -hmm. just started two or three years. You got a knowledge, they don't have a perspective on businesses and how to do things that will be far more successful than what they do. So for me, I think it's wonderful to be able to be to create your business years later when you get all of that wealth of knowledge, because it, like you said, it makes it more successful, for sure. So that's fabulous. Good. Well, thank you so much for speaking thank with you. me today. It was an awesome podcast, and uh, we might have a round two coming up in the next few months and see how you're doing. How Sounds about good. That? Yeah, yeah. And don't um, invite, invite me back if it's work. Oh, no, no, if it's not working. It I'm is working. Some conversation actually, too. <laughs> no, Who knows? Either one is interesting. You know what? I love it because it talks about the IT world. It talks about the architecture. And I talk about the business side uh, with a lot of people. But this is a side that people don't understand. And I am pretty much sure that other CEOs, other leaders that are going to be listening to that podcast will give them a little bit of an insight about the world of IT and not cutting the funds because the company needs it. Yeah. And doing it the right way. It's, yes. Uh, it's not, you know, there's this trend now that you embed IT into the business, which I think is good, but you got to be careful. It is a discipline. It's like, you know, somebody can't suddenly be, you know, a, uh, a, uh, 
I can't just throw someone in there and say, you do all the math around, you know, financial models for like trading or so in Wall Street. Uh, yeah, just go. Anybody can do that. I'm like, no, not anybody can do that. And the same is true with IT. If you're not trained in IT, you're very likely going to make a lot of mistakes. Exactly. And a lot of people now think because we grow up with, you know, these phones and yeah. tablets and all yeah. this that everybody under, oh, I understand. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> It is a discipline. That's what's a little tricky right now. I do like the fact that IT is getting integrated with the business in many places now, like literally yeah. integrated. Mm -hmm. But you got to be careful that you think as a business person, you know how to manage or run IT. It is a discipline like everything else. You know, I wouldn't, I couldn't suddenly be a CFO tomorrow, right? I mean, there's a, there's a discipline and, and experience and knowledge that goes with it. You can't just kind of pick it up on the fly, right? No, you can't. You and I, I think a lot of people think, oh, I can do IT because I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. And you have to understand because I work with programmers. I work with, uh, and I had the knowledge. I always said I always surrounded myself with people who could do everything and who were geniuses. But I have the knowledge, understanding, but I wasn't going to be coding. I wasn't going to go and put uh, things in there, but I understood how and how things were working. So I was able to articulate to the end users. Mm -hmm. So we were able to do things right. But yeah. the understanding, it's like lost in translation between somebody speaking their IT world to somebody who has no clue. Right. Oh my God. So yes. being the middle person was- But again, that's a helpful. discipline. That's an experience. That's a knowledge. It doesn't yes. just come from, like you said, if you don't have that, the two are like talking a different language. Yes, they exactly. think they understand each other and they don't. <laughs> no, because I think, well, I'm pushing the button. Well, but behind the button, behind the button, there's a program running. There is some code running. All right. It doesn't, because you push the button. Yes. It doesn't happen by magic. So it was, uh, you know, I always said, I always bring people into the middle. It's not your side. Their side is we're going to compromise to what we need. We can do with what we've got. And if we can make, make it better, we will. But at this point, we can't because the technology is not there or we don't have the funding. So this is what we're going to be working with. But it's an understanding and translating to the business side how it works because they don't understand. It's it's very eye-opener. Openers, and I always love to be in between because creativity was always my thing. But learning from IT has been great. I learned a lot from SAP, Oracle, all of the uh, the software I work with because I worked with the programmers. Mm -hmm. So they explained to me everything, and I understood what they were saying. Would mm -hmm. I be able to do it? Probably, but what I wanted to do it, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. me say that, especially, you know, the, the fun part was SAP because most people don't understand. I don't know if they're doing now in English, but it was all in German. Yeah, all the, all yeah, the, coding. All the, all the, all the uh, comments on the code. Yeah, I, I yes. actually don't know either. I, I mean, obviously, when they bought like success factors or Ariba, <clears throat> that's going to be all in English. But I don't know if like their new S4 system, they decided to just retranslate. To put it in everything. English because they were coding in German. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, good luck with that. So they had to learn the language in German, yeah. not in English, which mm -hmm. was very interesting. And the, in the field abbreviations were all German abbreviations, yes. which wasn't a problem for me. But uh... <laughs> well, yeah, not for you, obviously, but for but, other uh, people who don't oh, speak yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, it's called that because, of, yeah, that is this. And they're like, what? what is that? I'm like, like Valk, I think, is plant, which oh. actually Valk is means plant in German. So the 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 field, you know, 
plant mm -hmm. name or something. It's yep. always starts W E R K, which means plant in German. And uh, it, it's funny. You can just go through and uh, like uh, semi-finished products. They call it hot. Hot means half. So <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. So as a German, I'm like, oh yeah, I know this makes perfect sense. <laughs> <what they're doing." laughs> and people are all, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so, but no, but that's that's why it was very interesting. So as, as I said, I'm sure there will be some CEOs and other people who, who do not understand how the world of IT work and the architecture will now have a better understanding. And I'm glad you joined me today for that. That to me is a treat. So thank, thank you, you so much, Very much. for uh, being, being part of my podcast today. Have a good day. Okay.